G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story Here I am, I'm about two and a half metres, I guess, above my last placement, and I'm searching around, trying to find somewhere for my hands to hold and put a placement in, and then I, I just, I couldn't. My, my fingers were getting tired, I guess, um, legs started to shake, and I'm, I, I remember saying to God at this point in time, God, I'm in a bit of a bind here, you're going to have to help me get down somehow, because I'm stuck. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, if you were watching the news in Queensland on the 2nd of April 2018, you would have seen a report that a man in his 30s was rock climbing with his family when he slipped and fell about 8 metres. Steve and Anita King were two weeks into a family holiday when this tragic event occurred. Today, they'll share what happened and how God has been working in their lives through it all. They're having a chat with Eric Scadamo. Welcome to the program, Steve and Anita King. Hi, Eric. It's great to be here, and we're really excited to be able to share our story with you and your listeners today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Glad to have you with us, and I should say that you're joining us from just east of Melbourne? That's correct. Okay, thank you so much for joining us to share what you've gone through. But before we start to talk about the events of that tragic day, could you please give us some background about both of you and what led up to that family holiday? Yeah, so we both were raised in Christian households and I guess accepted Jesus at young age. Um, we both went to a Christian school locally, uh, ended up being school captains together. We stayed in contact and then got married not long after we finished school at, at the age of 21. And we since have had four beautiful children who, I guess at the time of the incident, our eldest was nine. And then we have a seven-year-old and twin six-year-olds at that time. So two boys and two girls. A busy family. Okay. And so at your church, you're involved there as well? Yes. Uh, So we go to a local church, Liberty Family Church, and uh, I'm part of the eldership team there. And Anita's very much involved with the kids' ministry at that church. Yeah. And I understand that the elders of your church rotate who writes a little devotional or something like that? They do, yeah. So the elders and the leaders of the church write just short reflections to send out each week to encourage and challenge church members. And it just turned out that, Steve, it was your turn right before this. Yeah, that's right. It was my turn. And um, some of the events leading up to the the day of the accident encouraged me to write a reflection, uh, which was entitled, God's Got My Back, which I guess turned out to be quite a prophetic word. Yeah. Yeah, way. quite ironic. Yeah, absolutely. As I'll share in a minute, yeah, around exactly what happened mm-hmm. in my story. So, yeah. Okay, so you decide to go on a family holiday, going all the way up to Queensland. How did that come about? Yeah, so we had made the decision as a family to begin homeschooling our children, actually. And mm-hmm. part of that was we wanted to do some extended holidays, explore a bit of our beautiful country. Mm-hmm. So the first of that was about four, four and a half weeks up the East Coast into Queensland. Oh, beautiful. Do a bit of Fraser Island and end up coming down for the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. So we started this holiday and, yeah, we'd done, done a few days travelling up the coast and we ended up on Fraser Island, which we'd never done before but we're really excited about. 
Yeah, I understand you had some problems there on Fraser Island. We did, yeah. We headed up the beach and had our first drama for holidays in that we nearly lost our camper trailer. Wow. What happened? And I can remember on the beach and trying to dig out and put the things under the tires to pull the car out and just was not working. We tried time and time again. So I pulled all the kids out of the car because the tide was coming in. Oh, and we wow. knew if the waves got much closer that that camper trailer and car would be washed out to the beach. And Yeah, not how you'd like to start your family holiday. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We nearly lost the camper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Anita, yeah, was sharing with the kids while they were watching and, and you know, waiting for a tow truck to eventually get there to help us pull the thing out and reflecting on the fact that, you know, if we lost our camper, we lost all that stuff, it actually wouldn't matter in the scheme of things because we've got each other, we've got Jesus, and, you know, that's all that really matters in this world. And mm-hmm. then I guess my reflection was, was based out of that. You know, in the say, you know, God's got my back, regardless of what happens in our circumstances around us. And so, yeah, it just went to a more literal uh, case the day after. Yeah, well, I mean, that is ironic that you were reflecting on these things about what is important in life when about 24 hours later, you found out what is important in life. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, when you go through an incident like we did, yes, you do absolutely reflect on what is most important in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, priorities come into absolute perspective, you know, in terms of, yeah, what is important, what is not, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, pressing in and and responding accordingly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so take us to that day, the 2nd of April, 2018. What was going on? So for a little while, we've been rock climbing as a family, mm-hmm. something that we got into with, with friends of ours and our children, but also something that Steve's done for a number of years and was very keen once our children were of the right age to share some of that experience with them. Okay, so yeah. this was not your first time? Not at all. No, mm-hmm. I learned how to rock climb in university. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did an outdoor ed course, and so I was quite a capable climber and had climbed, as I said, on and off for about 14 years. And so... I thought it'd just be a great opportunity to, you know, throw the climbing gear in on this holiday and, and do some climbing with the family. And so, yeah, to help explain a little bit further, I guess, so we, we drove to the climb site. I picked the site that I thought would be suitable and um, we hiked up to the base of the rocks. There's a couple of different types of rock climbing. And so the one that you would do with a family is what you would ordinarily do in a, a climbing gym or, you know, at some kind of fun place where it's like a, they call it a top rope climb or a yo-yo climb where the top of the rope is actually already fixed to the top of the climb, okay? And so you dive the rope on at the bottom and then you climb up and the other person belays you and pulls the rope tight as you climb. Now, in order for that to occur on real rocks, someone has to get to the top of the rock face in order to set up this said top rope climb And so that was my job. And the second type of climbing, which is what I have traditionally done, is what's called lead climbing, where you climb up a little bit and then you actually put uh, a piece or a carabiner or a chalk in the wall, in the rock face, and then you clip your rope to that. Mm -hmm. And that is your protection for the next phase of the climb. So if I'm understanding this, in order to have a safe climbing experience for your family, Somebody has to be the one doing the kind of unsafe uh, first go to uh, establish where you put the anchors in? Yeah, I, I guess you could do it like that. But I picked out, what I, I guess, in inverted brackets, an uh, easy climb to, huh. to just race up. And yeah. then I said, you know, I'll drop some ropes down and the kids can have a play. And, you know, it wasn't about me trying to 
push limits or do any extreme climbing for the day. I was yeah. just going to rock it up this, this easy climb in a way. But it just all went pear-shaped, unfortunately. So Yeah, well, tell us what happened. Yeah, so here I am. I've, I've climbed up. I've, I've got two placements in the wall. Again, the thing with lead climbing is once you've started this climb, you're committed to the climb. And so I got about halfway up, about eight metres roughly, up this, you know, 15-metre climb. And I was, I was searching around for another placement um, so I could protect myself for the next part of the climb. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, obviously this climb hadn't been climbed for a long time and it was, it was what we call a messy climb or a dirty climb. There was loose rocks, you know. There was actually uh, a boulder that I ended up picking up and I said to Nate, you need to move the kids up the track a little bit out of the way because I need to throw this thing down because if I get to the top and they start climbing, they're going to pull this down on someone. So... Mm. Here I am trying to clean this climb as we go, and um, unfortunately, I just there wasn't any secure spot I could put my next piece. So I, I tried to venture a little bit left and try a different angle at it. And even then, there was loose rocks, and so here I am. I'm about two and a half meters, I guess, above my last placement. So my last protection piece is at my feet now mm. to help you and your, your listeners understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm searching around, trying to find somewhere for my hands to hold and put a placement in. And then I, I just, I couldn't. My, my fingers were getting tired, I guess. Um, legs starting to shake. And I'm, I, I remember saying to God at this point in time, God, I'm in a bit of a bind here. You're going to have to help me get down somehow because I'm stuck, basically. Wow. And so, yeah, from there, my fingers gave way. And if you can kind of picture a pendulum. So as I fall, I fell down. The the rope is caught up. I, the, the first two and a half meters above that piece, you swing below that piece. That's like effectively a five-meter fall, if you can sort of visualize two meters above, two meters below with the mm-hmm. length of the rope, mm-hmm. which is a, obviously a, a quite an impact of a five-meter fall. And so then my head actually hit the rocks beside me, causing a a huge gash in my head and knocking myself out at that point in time. All I can understand from there is that, because I don't remember it being knocked out, is that my second piece must have popped out of the rock wall and and then I've come down, landed facing, facing my wife, yeah, on the ground, in like a sack of potatoes, basically. Oh, wow. And Anita? So I was at the bottom of the cliff holding the other end of the rope, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't much use with the amount of slack that was in it. But So I saw Steve swing and hit his head, and then he landed at my feet, face up, on flat on his back, um, completely unconscious. Mm. So in that moment, I actually thought he was gone. Wow. And, you know, your life flashes before you going, God, I had this plan, like I married this man and we've got a whole life and four children here. You know, this is not what is supposed to happen. He's not supposed to have just killed himself falling down a cliff. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And he was probably out for, uh, it was probably 30 seconds to a minute, really wasn't that long. But for me, that was a very long time of unknown of what had just happened. And my background is education. I'm not a nurse in any way, shape, or form. I don't deal with blood. If the kids hurt themselves, they go to dad. <laughs> yeah. And he's my husband on the ground in front of me, you know, with obvious, serious head injuries and not conscious at all. So it was a real moment for me with God to say, God, you need to do something here. I can't do this. And it was a moment of, of absolute clarity and peace for me 
because I knew that I couldn't do anything in my own strength and my own ability. The only way that anything was going to happen in this situation was if the Holy Spirit took over, and he absolutely did. There was no one else around on this climb. It was the two of us and our four, you know, very young children between the ages of six and nine at that time. Mm -hmm. No one else there to call for help. I'm tied up and attached to Stephen still, so I had to call to one of our children to get my phone, to call triple zero, to get the first aid kit out, which we always carried, and start, you know, that initial triage treatment while calling triple zero and talking to the operator there. And it wasn't until I'd done all of this and was already on the phone to the operator that Steve finally came to and opened his eyes. And at that point, my lowest moment was done because he'd opened his eyes and he was conscious Mm -hmm. and I knew that everything was going to be okay. You're listening to The Story. Today, Steve and Anita King are sharing the events of the 2nd of April 2018 when Steve had a tragic rock climbing accident in a park in Queensland. We'll hear more, including how God has been working in their lives, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Steve and Anita King are sharing the events of the 2nd of April 2018 when Steve had a tragic rock climbing accident in a park in Queensland. Before the break, we heard what led to Steve slipping and falling about eight metres and how Anita managed to call triple zero to get help while holding a bandage onto Steve's injured head. Now, we'll hear what happened next on that day. Well, Steve, tell us about becoming conscious. Yeah, so obviously, as I said, I I don't remember the rest of the fall. I just remember my hands letting go and calling out falling and then, you know, waking up looking at the trees. I've got a massive rock sticking into my back. Oh, wow. Um, I'm short of breath, gasping for air, trying to stay alive, literally. Um, Not really knowing what's going on. I couldn't move. I wanted to wriggle. I wanted to move around and get this rock out of my back, but I knew, I mean, I've done first aid treatment before training, and so I knew I couldn't move, but I kept saying to my wife, and then I said, I I just need to get this rock out of my back because I can't breathe. And she's encouraging me just to stay still, obviously, because we don't want to make things worse. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was an intense moment of, yeah, just pain and uncertainty and not knowing. And then I'll echo exactly what Anita said. The peace that then washed over me at this point of time was just, it had to be a God thing, mm-hmm. you know. Just, you know, I'm lying there, not being able to move my legs or do anything, and I just felt that it was going to be okay, that literally God had my back in this moment. Wow. Which was just incredible. Yeah. So you had that peace that passes all understanding right at this crucial point. And it was tangible. Yeah. Mm. It was no longer head knowledge for us that we'd grown up with. It was was reality. Yeah. God was absolutely 100% right there at the cliff face with us. Yeah. Rich, a real incredible thing, I guess, when mm. you've grown up as a Christian and and you go through times and you think, well, would my faith stand up in a crisis? Yeah. And then for the reality of what's happening right there and then, for us to feel that peace, feel the presence of God in that moment was a real 
wow moment for us that, yes, our faith is real, God is real, Mm -hmm. and we can feel his presence in this real tragic moment in our lives. Mm. And Anita, not to get too graphic, but it was pretty traumatic what you had to do. Absolutely, yeah. Like I said, I'm not in any way, shape, or form a nurse. And so to go through that experience, you know, the Holy Spirit guided me and helped me through all of that. And so you were having to hold his head... Yes, that's right. So when he'd fallen, he had quite a big gash. I sort of describe it as a almost a question mark right over the top of his head and, and the scalp had flapped open. Oh. So I had to hold that on effectively in, and held in the one position until help arrived. And so it took from the call that I made until they arrived, it was 36 minutes. So that was 36 minutes of you know squatting down next to Steve and holding bandages on his head to stop the bleeding. And then when they finally found you, they went right past you. They did. <laughs> yeah, what basically, um, we could hear we could hear the sirens coming, and then we could hear the sirens going. Um, huh. Unfortunately, they they went to the more popular climb site of Mount Nagungung, which is where we were. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Anita's still on the call to Triple O, and and they were clarifying, "Where are you?" Because we're at the climb site and we can't see you. And she's like, "No, no, no, we can hear you." And then you. Then you disappeared again, and all the kids wow. were getting excited and cheering, and then they all were like, "Whoa, where are they going?" You know, so wow. yeah, that was uh, that just added to the drama of the moment. I think. Wow, I mean, you had to be very relieved that they found you, but then a sinking feeling when they're going past you. But they That's did right, find you yeah. eventually. They did. So they eventually came back, and the kids started yelling and screaming because we went right next to the road. We're a little walk into the bush. Mm-hmm. And so the minute that we saw them coming up through the bush, that was a real highlight for us, that we knew help had finally arrived, mm. and yeah, we had some support. And then they managed to put you on a stretcher? Yeah. So then, obviously, the, the paramedics took over and did an amazing job. The emergency service is wonderful, so uh, thanks to all them. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was probably about an hour and a half to two-hour process of then them, obviously, uh, looking after my pain, uh, and then slowly but surely trying to stretch me out of this position because originally they were going to try and um, chopper lift me out, like send a, a stretcher down by the chopper, but then they couldn't because the trees were in the way and all that sort of stuff. So the team of them had to then literally carry me out hand over hand, you know, oh, um, wow. a bit of a, a process of a chain, um, yeah, getting me up out of this location, down to the road, onto the ambulance, and then, yeah, into the chopper that was waiting for me there. So. And there are obvious head and neck and back injuries, so nothing could be done quickly to yeah. you know, minimise any injury that had happened. Right. How far were you from the road? Oh, look, probably, I don't know, 100 metres maybe from the road up the hill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but as, as Anita said, nothing could happen quickly. They had yeah. to secure everything, put the neck brace on, make sure they were, yeah, slowly but surely moving me and, so I'm uh, dozing in a night of consciousness through all this. I don't really remember much of it, to be honest. You were pretty drugged up at the time, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of pain. And so, yeah, they looked after me around that. And um, while I was doing that, I guess Anita Anita was with the kids. and Yeah, so once the emergency services arrived, the paramedics stayed with Steve and we actually had someone else walk the children and I back down to the road into our car so they could just stop and have a drink and have a bit of downtime. So then there was that hour and a half where I had no idea what was happening with Steve. Wow. I had the kids there and they were under control and looked after them, but I had no idea what was happening with my husband who, you know, was up in that on the site still. I had one liaison who could talk to me about what was happening and what their plan was, but I just had to sit and wait mm. and see what they could do. 
Mm-hmm. And then they just drove up the road a little bit to a, the front yard of someone's house, actually, where the helicopter was able to land and they could transfer him into that. So once he came out to the road, we could follow him to the helicopter and see all of that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was that time in between of just the waiting and the unknown. And I could make phone calls to people that I needed to. But, I, yeah, I didn't have any update. I didn't know what was going on at that time. I just had to press into God and to rely on him that he mm-hmm. had it all under control because I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And you were able to ask people to pray? I did. So I obviously called the family straight away and let them know what had happened. And I called our church um, to get the prayer chain going. I mm-hmm. knew that was really important that the very first thing we needed to do was just to pray and to to press into God and to ask him to continue to be in control and to work in that situation. Mm-hmm. So we we straight away had a big prayer gathering going for Steve right mm-hmm. from the very minute that it all happened there. And then on a practical matter, you had to find your campsite. And then I think you had to tow the caravan, is that right? Something you had never done? Yes, there was a few firsts for me on this holiday. I don't normally drive when we're towing. But no, I I had the search and rescue guys actually offered to come and help me pack up our campsite. And I had to admit to them that I didn't know exactly where we were camping. Oh, wow. Um, Thankfully, they knew the area well enough that when I described it, they could take me there and help me pack everything up and hook it onto the car. But then I had to drive from the Glasshouse Mountains where we were staying into Brisbane. I met up with a cousin of mine that lives up there. And she was able to meet and they could help me with the children and get me to the hospital and things. But yes, I did have to drive the car on Easter Monday with all that traffic going down the Bruce Highway into uh, Brisbane. The very first time you ever towed a caravan. That's right, yeah. Oh, wow. And I imagine your mind must have been racing. Yes. I think I was well and truly running on adrenaline at that mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing that could keep me going, knowing yeah, I had to get these children somewhere safe with my family, which a blessing was that we I had family up in that area that could come and meet me mm-hmm. and look after the children and then could get me to the hospital. The other amazing thing that happened at that time was that once our pastor knew what was happening, he contacted actually one of our older pastors from our church who had moved up into sort of an hour and a half out of Brisbane. And it just so happened that he and his wife were having dinner 10 minutes away from the hospital where Steve was oh, being wow. flown to. Oh, wow. So they were actually able to meet me not long after I arrived in, in emergency. They arrived at the hospital and sat with me waiting so I didn't have to be alone. So God definitely was able to put people in place. He knew what was happening. Nothing, None of this was a surprise to him. Yeah, He could put people in place and they met me there and I didn't have to sit there alone in a hospital waiting for my husband. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we'll have to stop it right there because we've run out of time on today's program. But we invite you to join us next time for more of Steve and Anita King sharing what happened after Steve had a tragic rock climbing accident while they were on a family holiday in Queensland. As we've been hearing, both Steve and Anita were filled with a peace from God in the midst of the tragic events, and they both felt that the Lord was with them and guiding them through it all. Next time, Anita will share how she took comfort from Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. This is ironic because Steve literally did fall, but Anita says she held on to the promise that the Lord makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. And they made a conscious decision to delight in the Lord through the whole experience. Well, once again, we invite you to join us next time to hear more of Steve and Anita King sharing their story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I've always been quite an optimistic, capable person. And uh, so without really understanding spinal cord injuries and the extent of what that means, 
I was thinking, yep, I'm going to pull through this and I'll be able to, you know, walk out of here in, in a couple of weeks' time or whatever. It was, I guess, um, coming to terms with the reality of how serious this was. It took a while and it still is taking a while for that to really play out. On the 2nd of April 2018, Steve and Anita King were two weeks into a family holiday in Queensland when Steve had a tragic rock climbing accident. Once again, they'll share the events of that day and how God has been working in their lives through it all. That's all coming up next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.